Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Daphne Maxwell Reed. Yes, that's right. Daphne Maxwell Reed, most people know her as Aunt Viv from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. We got into a fantastic conversation about a lot of great stuff. We talked about her fashion line, her photography books, her modeling career, her partnership in business with her husband, Tim Reed, who's Ray from Sister Sister. So many, so many great things that I just can't wait for you to check it out. A little bit about her, though. So as I stated, everyone remembers Daphne Maxwell Reed as the iconic TV mom of the 1990s from her three seasons as Aunt Viv on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And Daphne couldn't be more excited when the cast of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunited 30 years later for the unscripted reunion special that is now on HBO Max. These days, Reed is a renaissance woman, respected artist and designer, and education activist. Working from her home in Virginia and still happily married to pioneering television actor, producer, writer, director Tim Reed, Daphne Maxwell Reed is living proof that a passion for creativity and a dedication to hard work can ensure a lifetime's worth of success. So yes, the episode is fantastic. Yes, we talked about a bunch of things. And yes, I won't keep you waiting any longer, except to let you know that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by, that's right, Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without further ado, my interview with the Daphne Maxwell Reed is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is, oh, I'm so excited. Actress, <laughs> photographic artist, designer, the iconic, the legendary Daphne Maxwell. Reed, how are you doing today? I hope I live up to that. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> I was thrilled uh, to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you this evening. Well, it's evening for us. So who knows when people are going to listen to it, right? It could be morning, could be afternoon, whenever. But this evening, I'm very excited. Got a lot of uh, interesting topics that I'm excited to talk to you about. You have had such a an incredible career and incredible life. And I'm excited just to, to, to hear a little bit about each of it. So, but before we get into that, um, here at the detox podcast, because we like to welcome people, uh, to detox from the world around them and listen to a conversation for a little bit, um, before they go back out into the world, I want to ask you, what are you currently detoxing from? I use detoxing Um, in air quotes for those that can't see. (laughs) Detoxing. Um, I've been, traveling and also when I travel as extensively as I just did for three weeks I need to detox but the problem is when I get back I've got so much to catch up on that I think my detox is coming soon. (laughs) Sure Sure. I think you know something that I've learned especially having come out of uh, the of the pandemic over the last years and and traveling again and kind of doing a lot more of things that I think we we did 
without really realizing we were doing like getting on a plane, traveling, meeting coworkers, going to events, all of these things that are perfectly normal. I'm, I'm finding I'm doing the, the like rethinking, like, do I have everything? What do I need? Am I packing? Like what? And then when I'm around folks, it's like, okay, let me, now that I've enjoyed this time fellowshipping and working together, let me take some time to almost regroup and, and re recenter right before getting back out there. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good and bad. Right. So I think it's, yeah, good. I love working and, uh, I love traveling right. and it's, it's, um, very refreshing to get back to international travel, which I have not been able to do. I've been traveling all over the United States sure. for the past two years, but ah, went to Hawaii last month. And this time I was working in Puerto Rico. And then I had to go from Puerto Rico to Wales to do a Comic-Con, which was a lot of fun. Then I went to London for a couple of days. Then I came home. I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of across this ocean, across that ocean. That's a lot for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. But it was great. I love it. So I want to ask, I want to actually start. So you, you know, you talked about traveling actually quite a bit. And so one thing that we mentioned at the beginning is your, uh, a bit of a shutter bug. And so I want to know, talk to me about some of the, the books that you've created and, and how that has led into um, a career that maybe some folks may not be aware of. Well, when I was 60 years old, <laughs> ages ago, um, I decided to become a photographic artist because I had two friends who I would bring pictures to from my international travels, which I just love doing with my friends. And they said, well, why don't you display some of this in a gallery? And I said, yeah, you got to be an artist to do that. And they said, and the question is, <laughs> so I said, ah, so on my 60th birthday, I declared that I was a photographic artist. And then I went about preparing to find out what that meant <laughs> and uh, went through the pictures that I had taken for years. I've always had a camera since I was nine years old. I always have a camera, a sewing machine and a computer standard fare for me. I got to have them. That's, that's my creative stuff. So I looked through all my pictures and I realized that I had been taking pictures of doors all over the world. Wow. And I said, why have I been attracted to doors? Now I, I got a degree in interior design and architecture. And I know that I like to focus on details of architecture, but I had no idea that I was drawn to doors so much. And I realized that doors are really a metaphor for life. Mm. So I just created my first book of the doors that I had taken from about five different countries. And with that, I learned how to publish. I learned how to lay it out on my computer. So all I send is a thumb drive to my printer and I have published books. But I had to learn about publishing and about marketing. And it's the journey that I loved. I loved knowing how to format my book, learned how to choose a font. Do you know how much time it takes to choose a font? <laughs> Probably not nearly so, as much as you do. <laughs> oh, it's just, it was such a wonderful journey that I continued it and wrote three more books about doors. One was on Cuba when I went there in 2015 and went all down the west side of the island 
whole bunch of different cities. And I usually write about the impressions that uh, these doors inspire in me. And I want to share those impressions. And when I talk about my books to groups, I always talk about trying to inspire you to pay attention to the details in your life because it makes the journey from A to B very rich. So I'm trying to encourage you to pay attention and to enjoy the journey as much as arriving at B and having to start all over again with your next challenge. I think that is so eloquently put, just the the metaphor and the and learning about the journey. I find one of the things that always relaxes me that I enjoy is our long road trips and and if it's specifically if it's a long road trip through interesting ter- terrain, so I enjoy going up to Colorado and driving through the mountains oh. or driving down to the through the coast, right, and looking at the Pacific Coast mm-hmm. Highway and and just it's that journey and that experience of reflecting of where I was, where I am, where we're going, it gives me the space to, to just almost have a little bit of a meditative moment that, yes. that you don't, it's easy to not get in the day. When you're doing bustle. your busy life, yes. you can't stop and smell the roses while you're doing it. But I'm encouraging you to smell those roses as you're working along because it really enhances the journey it really does make for great memories too and it's a good opportunity too. you talk about the doors and and thinking about the stories right that that these buildings and these doors house and have and then the ability to tell their stories or just think about what stories have existed in this space and reflect on that that gives us that opportunity to slow down and and commune with one another over those I found that I, I have spent a lot of my attention on craftsmanship. So now I'm really, really enchanted when I'm going through, say, the IG channels and seeing right. what everybody is doing. I'm really drawn to makers, mm. to people who actually do these things with their hands. And that's what draws me to the doors as well as the craftsmanship. It's the right. color. It's the wood grain, it's the accoutrement, the door knocker that's on it, or just the environment that the door is in, how it presents itself with the rest of the facade of the building. It's just very interesting for me to catch that picture. And I only take one shot of each door. Oh, wow. And I don't, I only carry a small camera. I don't light it. I let God light it. (laughs) And I just take one shot and that's what I want to show you what I saw. Oh, that's incredible. I absolutely love that. Um, Now you're talking about craftsmanship, right? And and making things with hands. And you also talked about that the sewing machine is something that you have that you take with you everywhere. So talk to me a bit about, about Daphne's style or Daphne style, excuse me, and, and how that has evolved over the years. I've been sewing since I was nine years old when I got my other camera and and sewing machine. It's just all very in in from childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, My mother was a seamstress and I just took to it and loved it and started making all of my own clothes when I was probably nine or 10 years old. Wow. So I have always made my own clothes and people have known that I've made my own clothes. I've sometimes used it as wardrobe on shows like Simon and Simon. I, had a lot of things that I had made just for the show. Oh, wow. Um, 
So I've been creating uh, with fabric for years. I'm a fabriholic, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and um, the last the last journey that I took with Daphne Style was because my husband has an institute and he raises um, he raises money with a fashion show every year, yeah. a fashion showcase. And he said one year. I want you to make those coats that people stop you in the street when you're wearing. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'll make a line of those. So I made about a dozen of them for the models and put them on the runway at the show and they were selling off the runway. Oh, wow. And he said, so why don't you manufacture? I'm going, yeah. No, these are art pieces, Mr. Reed. Right. <laughs> and these are handmade by me and will continue to be handmade by me because it's my expression of art. So I custom make them. Here's one sitting here right now. Wow, that's wonderful. One of the coats that I make, swing coats, which have been around since the 20s, but I made a whole line of linen swing coats for the second fashion show he drafted me into. <laughs> and I did a whole rainbow of those, and you can see some of that on my website. But also, I took the pictures that I had taken over the years, the doors, and because of the um, pandemic that we have just been mostly through, right. <laughs> I couldn't travel internationally, so I had to work with what I had and decided to make what's behind me, which are tote bags that have pictures of my doors from all over the world. So that's my latest project. And they've been selling well, too, but I'm only making a limited edition. So first come, first serve, first 25 people, get them. Oh, that's incredible. You know, I... I think that is so, so powerful to have the, the, I, how do I want to say this? I think in our society, we are so conditioned to want something, want it now, want a bunch of them, be able to get it wherever that we, we, we end up running the risk of not appreciating art in all of its forms, right? So you talked about and these were the, the, these dozen coats were all that was made. These bags, there's 25 of them. That's it. And it's, that's it. And it's, you get the, the, the art, you get to appreciate them so much more as the pieces of art they are when you know these are limited, these were handcrafted, this is it. Yeah. And it also is an expression of a singular act. Yes. It's an act of love to create. And I love creating. I love sharing my creations. But of course, an artist must make a, a buck or two to right. keep it going. Yeah. So um, my husband said, aren't those coats expensive? I said, not as expensive as if you had bought it in the store. Right. So, but it's custom made. So it fits the person and it's the selection of the color that they want, which is why I always made my own clothes because the stores never carried what I wanted. Yeah. So I had to make it myself. That is incredible. You mentioned, so um, I know you've had quite a storied career acting. And so I want to walk, wind the clock back a bit and talk about what were some of your, yes, let's wind it back a bit. What were some of your first experiences, um, quote unquote, breaking into the industry? I had been modeling um, 
for years while I was in college. And when I got out of college, I was modeling in Chicago. And um, a guy came to town, a guy named Robert Conrad, who was going to do a television series in Chicago called The Duke. And he hired me to play a part in that show. And we got to be good friends. And I was in that series for the whole time it was shooting in Chicago. And then of course he went on off to Los Angeles and I got divorced in Chicago and I moved out to Los Angeles and said, Robert, <laughs> I'm in town. <laughs> and he said, oh good, because I have another role for you on a show called A Man Called Sloan that I'm shooting now. And I want you, you can start working. I Here's an agent and that's how I broke into Hollywood. It was like getting off the plane. Right. <laughs> it was it was exciting. So I was in Los Angeles at a time when they were expanding their view of uh, diversity. Sure. Yeah. So I was hitting all the shows that were being produced and was in the right place at the right time and had the right credentials. So. I continue to work on you'll I'm popping up all over the place on Matt. Oh, who is it? Matt, somebody. I can't even remember the name of the show. Uh, the A team and Hill Street Blues and yeah. Starsky and Hutch and uh, all sorts of shows back right. there. Um, and then uh, I did a guest star on a show called WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, and uh, show met my husband uh, a little bit before then <laughs> and uh, had great experience with um, WKRP. I did two episodes and met the writers and the creators and we were all friends. So when they went on to new shows like Simon and Simon, Daphne, come play Tim's love interest. And, okay. So I kept getting these wonderful opportunities to continue acting. And um, then Tim started producing his own things. And we did a show called Frank's Place. And then we did a show called Snoops. And then we did the Tim and Daphne show talk show that went for 82 episodes in Baltimore <laughs> for the King World Company. And then we took a break. And when we were taking the break, it was right about the time that they asked me to co-audition for a sitcom with a rapper, a young rapper. I said, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, it I'm sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> to rest. I moved to Virginia right. and we bought a farm and I was chilling because we had had some very strenuous five years of working steady and traveling and having a great time. Um, but I turned on the TV that fall and saw this cute little show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I'm going, oh, what a cute show. Who knew? <laughs> but three years later, after I had done some other pilots and things, um, I got a call and said, come in and audition for the role of Aunt Viv on The Fresh Prince. And I said, but you already have an Aunt Viv. Right. And they said, come in and audition for a role as Aunt Viv. I said, I'll be there. <laughs> and I came and I was there with 200 other women who wanted the role of Aunt Viv. 
And I uh, guess I clicked with James Avery, with whom I fell in love about our third oh. audition. Um, we just melded together. And I guess yeah. the chemistry worked because they hired me. Right. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. Um, Who knew? So I, right. You know, you talk about um, such a storied career and entering in when you did. And I know that, um, you know, you're, pro I would say, probably most popularly known as Aunt Viv. I mean, you were, so I watched the show growing up and, and you were the Aunt Viv that I saw the entire time I watched it was until reruns where I realized that there had been a casting shift midway through. So, so iconic for me. What was it like? I know that you did the, the reunion uh, with HBO Max uh, two years ago at this point, or a little almost two years ago. And what was it like returning to the stage, returning with that, that family, right, uh, of people that you'd been working with and, and just reliving some of those moments? What was that like for you? It was a wonderful occasion. And we have all been in touch since the show. I mean, we sure. hang out together. We travel together. <laughs> um, but we had never all been in the same place at the same time. And we, that was the, it was an actual family reunion. And it was joyous because we heard stories that we had not heard before. Right, right. <laughs> and we're going, whoa, <laughs> we had no idea that all this was going on. So right. um, it was really interesting. It was lovely to see the uh, reunion with um, mm -hmm. Janet and Will and how they mended their fences. Yes. And it was the first time that I had met her. So... They said, are you going to be That's all right? Awesome. I'm going, the lady started to show. Yeah, she, this is right. her homecoming. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when exactly. I finally did meet her on the stage, on camera, was the first time I've ever met this woman. All I could do was hug her and tell her to welcome right. home. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we had a great afternoon. It was fun. It, um. It, I mean, true, candidly, it made me cry just reliving all of it and then seeing the emotion and seeing everybody. It, it was, was honest wonderful. emotion. There weren't second takes yeah. on anything. It was oh. what was happening as we were listening there. It was an amazing day. I love it. One Something that really struck me when I was watching um, watching the reunion and watching y'all watch the flashbacks and talk about how the show, how the live tapings were s structured with the audience yeah. and, and the timing and the part, the, the vibe of the entire show. It reminded me a lot of, I just finished watching um, the, I think it was the Lucy and Desi documentary on Amazon about I Love Lucy that Amy Poehler did. And that show in, in, in a lot of ways was, well, in, in, various ways was the first in a lot of sitcom ways, right? With, with the way they did the live audience and they talked to the folks and the way they structured right. the cameras, just a lot of first and watching that and thinking back and rewatching the reunion and, and y'all being the first in a lot of different ways. It was very interesting seeing the parallels yeah. with, with the approach to the audience. And so how was it like for you as a, as a performer to engage with that, that, environment of such a, a live and excited crowd every single week. It freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I had um, done stage work in high school, but never interactive stage work. I do a monologue at a theater or something like that. Um, sure. I am not the live theater kind of person. <laughs> they work too hard and they don't make enough money. But 
Um, I don't like repeating the same thing over and over again, which is why I don't do theater. Um, But that was the first in the, I guess I had been on television for about 25 years. I had never, including on WKRP, shot before a live audience until Fresh Prince. And I remember the first episode, I said, okay, I'm not going to (laughs) die. And we started every show with going into Will's room and pumping energy and music. James and I dancing down the hallway. So I was quite (laughs) relaxed when I got there. And as soon as we started, all of my fears went away. I had to, the only thing I had to learn was how to pause for the laughter. Sure. <laughs> so, I learned very quickly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, you had a, you know, fast forward in a little bit with the fact that they've retooled Fresh Prince oh, yeah. and it's Bel Air on Peacock. You just recently were on an episode of Bel Air. And so I want to know from you, wh- one, what was the experience like filming uh, Bel Air? And then two, um, what was it like inhabiting this almost like alternate version of a universe you had inhabited at one point in time? Ah, well, you don't really get to inhabit the environment because the scene that I did was shot in an office and it Mm. was one scene and a voiceover. Um, But the day before when I was in wardrobe fitting, See, Will wanted it to be a surprise that the old cast members would come and be on the show. But of course, you can't keep that a surprise. (laughs) I was in the fitting room and the cast happened to be next in the next building doing some press or something. And they found out that I was there and they all came over and to see Cassie just stand in front of me crying and talking about how iconic it, I'm going, it's just Daphne. It's okay. (laughs) It's just me. And I realized what an impression we had made on so many people and to get it from fellow actors who I admired because I'd seen the show. I'm going, you are you are Aunt Viv 3.0. I'm 2.0. Right. You're 3.0. Right. Carrion girl. Just, oh, she's fabulous. So I was impressed with the whole cast. So we took yeah. pictures and we had a great time. And then we did our scene the next day. And it was, the crew is magnificent. And to see such a diverse crew and young people working behind the camera and creating these environments, it was so refreshingly honoring because of all that Tim and I have done over the past 40 years to make sure that there were positions behind the camera that we could fill. So to see this was just overwhelmingly wonderful. That's incredible. And you, you you bring up your husband, Tim, who's also iconic, right? I mean, more than I. Tim Reed as Ray in Sister Sister. I grew up also with Sister Sister. And I was, when I, but your the day parents that I found grew out, up with Venus Flytrap. 
That's true. Yes, that's very true. And so, you know, talking about the fact that you two owned uh, New Millennium Studios, which was the only Black-owned film studio in the U.S. since the 1930s, and you talk about the work you two did in order to make sure that there were jobs like like on Bel Air that could be filled behind the yes. camera. Walk me through a little bit of the decision to to buy the studio and develop it in the way that you two did. We built the studio from the ground up. Mm, um, yes. Tim had always been creating. He's been writing for since the 60s. So he's always written scripts and he's produced them. He's produced, he exec produced uh, Frank's plays. He's, he's the creative one. I'm just a worker bee. <laughs> so when we moved to Virginia, he was already in power of making projects. He was doing films for Procter & Gamble. He was, we had lots of clients that he was working for. And right. he said, you know, we don't have to work in LA. We could build a studio here and work in Virginia. And we got a couple of businessmen together and discussed it with the government and some other people. And Somebody invited us down to Petersburg and said, we've got this piece of land if you'd like to build your studio here. And one of our partners was a builder. So we've surveyed it and oh, yeah, this looks like a great place to do this. It was 54 acres. <laughs> wow. wow. So we built the first full service film studio in the United States since the thirties or forties. And right. The first one in Virginia, it was the only one yeah. in Virginia, but we could not get the legislature to understand tax credits. Mm. So a lot of our clients were going to Toronto and then they started going to North Carolina then they started going to mm. Georgia, but we were creating our own uh, projects, which we did a bunch of movies there. And we hosted some people who came to shoot there. Spielberg came to shoot some of Lincoln there. We had, um, Madam Secretary or some kind of Secretary of State yeah. or something. They built yeah. lots of sets. We had the Oval Office on our standing Oval Office on our stage for years. Oh, that's awesome. So we, we had some business there, but it wasn't enough to really sustain us. And we couldn't get the tax credits. So we couldn't get the new business to come in. And then raising money to do our projects was getting to be harder than you know working for other people so yeah. i said bye-bye <laughs> mr reed we're selling the studio and about right. 16 years 17 years after we launched it uh we sold it yeah so now he's got a little production studio <laughs> that he can manage <laughs> right, right and he's still creating he's just launched a new streaming network so he's he's busy. He's got That's an institute awesome. where he's training training filmmakers, and he's been doing that for twelve years. And he's got fellows. This is the people who've gone yeah. through the program. Uh, fellows all over the world, in London and Nigeria and Cuba, all over the place, as well as the United States. So he's very prolific. <laughs> right. Right. You know, one thing that I've always been impressed with has been 
not only just your your talent right for acting but then also how you've been you've been trailblazing in 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 various ways so we talked about the film studio right and so we've talked about how iconic you are as aunt viv and then also the fact that you were if i recall this correctly the first first black woman on the cover of glamour magazine right and so walk me through what how that came about and then what that has what that meant for you personally um i had been in college my high my junior high school english teacher sent my photo to 70 somebody he knew at 17 magazine so my freshman year 17 magazine featured me in their real girl issue which was a large format january issue of 67 and um i that was like my first modeling job Eileen Ford, who was one of the leading model agencies in New York, saw the picture and asked me to register with her. Now I'm living in Chicago, working, going to school, and I'm flying back and forth between Chicago and New York on United Airlines student fare for $25. Wow. <laughs> and I'm working in New York, shooting editorials and shooting whatever they had for me to shoot. And then I'd go back to school and continue my education and hanging out with my boyfriend <laughs> who became my husband. <laughs> and um, after going back and forth a number of times, every once in a while, I would just take pictures when I was there. I had a mentor who was setting me up with different things. And she called me in one day and she says, okay, just sit on the window here, put on this red jacket. Um, to pull your hair up to the side, just put on some lip gloss and some mascara. I said, okay. And I sat on the window and a man came in and he took, I don't think he took a whole roll of film. Yeah. <laughs> and I went back to school, thought nothing yeah. of it. I'm walking down the street in October of 1969. At the newsstand, I saw my face. <laughs> I said, whoa. That's how I found out I was on the cover of Glamour magazine. Wow. And then I found out that I was the first. I had no idea. And it changed my life. <laughs> Zippo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a nice story to tell, but sure. I wasn't going to be a top model. I was a junior model. I couldn't go to Paris and walk the runway shows because I walked like a duck. But <laughs> hey. I have a cover <laughs> and I got right. a couple of other jobs from it, but I transitioned more into commercial work and then Robert sure. Conrad and came to town. Exactly. Well, that's, that's a excellent through point all the way there. We're getting the opportunities and in, a, in some cases being the right place at the right time and in other cases, putting yourself in the right places at the right time, right? Through all of your excellent work. Um, if you have any advice or perspective that you like to give young artists or, or those that are trying to break in, what, what do you like to, to tell them? Well, uh, something my husband told me when I first met him. He said, don't let the successes go to your head and don't let the failures go to your heart. If mm. you're going to be an actor, learn how to do something that brings you joy that's not acting because you have to have a way to eat while you're waiting to be chosen, which is right. what an actor has to do is wait to be chosen or create your own project. 
Love that. Well, this has been fantastic. We're going to actually transition to the final segment of the show, which is a little segment I like to call Things to Check Out. <laughs> so it is a segment where I provide a recommendation of something I'm either watching, reading, or listening to, and I invite my guests to do the same. <laughs> so I will go ahead and go first. So obviously, we talked about several things I want to make sure people check out. So uh, the Fresh Prince, the entire series of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, as well as The Reunion, streaming on HBO Max. Uh, Sister, Sister, starring Tim Reed, is on Netflix. Okay. Bel-Air is, of course, on Peacock. Mm -hmm. um, and so check all of those items out. Yeah. And then in addition, uh, something that I just started watching because it just returned is Atlanta on FX uh, and also on Hulu. So uh, if you like Atlanta, it's been two or three or four. Four. It's been a while in between seasons, um, but they're back, and it's a fantastic show. Can't recommend it highly enough. So, Daphne, what are you watching, reading, or listening to? Well, I'm, I'm reading the scripts that of the projects that I'm doing. <laughs> I have one coming on April 28th. It's going to start running. It's called Trophy Wife. I have, I'm getting ready to shoot The Business of Christmas 3. We've done one and two, and that's on BET+. And uh, what else? I just got through shooting um, Fantasy Island. There's a new Fantasy Island on Fox TV. And I got to do an episode with two wonderful other women who uh, are our buddies as we check out our fantasy on Fantasy Island. And um, what else? I've got a cookbook that I'm selling that I wrote, Perfect. and it's a mini memoir. And that's all available with my tote bags and my coats and my note cards and my photos and a lot about me uh, on my website, which is DaphneMaxwellReed.com. Otherwise, I don't have time to read much else. I read <laughs> Will Smith's book, which is wonderfully written. That was the last thing I read. And um, I just am busy making things. So I really don't have time to do anything but listen <laughs> to the radio. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you mentioned, so thank you for that. And you mentioned your website. I'm going to say it again here, DaphneMaxwellRead.com. And if people want to follow you on social media and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that as well? It's msdaphne13 on uh, Instagram or daphnemreed on Instagram or daphne.cooks on Instagram and daphnereed on Facebook. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been an absolute pleasure for me and definitely a delight for our listeners. Very nice to meet you. Have a wonderful nice. week. Thank you. Listeners, you've been detoxing with Detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>